episode 75, and I was joined once again by the one and only Rabbi Zushi Greenberg. Fantastic episode, very insightful. We followed up from last conversation, which was already almost three months ago. Hard to believe it flies by, but a lot of feedback from uh, people, from messages and texts. They wanted to hear more with Rabbi Zushi, who gets into, uh, we get into a lot of chat follow-on last time from uh, afterlife discussion uh, to Kabbalah to everyday life, living, spirituality, where it all started, a uh, plethora of different topics and insightful spiritual conversations. So really appreciate the rabbi coming back for his second appearance and sharing more of his wisdom with myself and with all of you. And with that said, as always, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Rabbi Zushi Greenberg. The Optimal Life. What's a typical week like for you? I mean, classes, services, visiting people, and funerals or bar mitzvahs or weddings. Mm -hmm. Anything like this. Everything that a rabbi or spiritual leader is doing. And then we have the preschool, we have the Hebrew school, the Sunday school, we have aftercare. It's, it's very, very busy. Thank God we are very busy. That's Obviously not I'm owning everything. My wife Miriam owns 99% of this. The mastermind behind exactly. the whole thing. I just show up wherever, they, wherever I'm told. <laughs> but what, what's a, what's, your weeks are always different, right? I mean, it's not just running the synagogue. You're talking about going out and seeing people that are going through tough times. Very much, yes. Joyous times. And it's sometimes it's a very hard conversations because people go through very hard times and they're looking for support. And you have to be there not only physically, but emotionally, psychologically. You have to try to be in their shoes to be able to relate to them and to understand what they go through. So on a given day, you can be with a family that just had a newborn baby, and then one hour later, be with a family that just lost a loved one. Yes. doesn't happen too often, but yes. So your days can be roller coasters. And yeah, and some some days I hear very good news, and other days I hear just one, one tragedy after another. One this person discovered cancer, the other person discovered this, just, and it's, it's a lot, but you know you try your best. How do you handle those days? Do you do you go back to like our first conversation and just for you you probably just like well this is just what's meant to be. It's it's not. It's not a, I just go back and say what's meant to be. I try to help every person and what is what he goes to and to move on. I know there is an obligation to move on no matter what happens. God is expecting of us. We have to get up in the morning and to move on. Because mm -hmm. that's what life, life is stronger than everything. The demand of life is stronger than everything. That no matter what the stories happen and what happen, people experience happen, the next morning, I have to get up and go to work or take care of the kids or go... Life doesn't stop exactly. for anybody, no matter what has happened. Exactly. Uh, last time you were here, I got a lot of feedback from people. All of it was great. I mean, they wanted... They said, why did you guys stop? We needed more. So, <laughs> so I wanted to bring you back. I wanted to bring you back. There was something that we talked about last time that I wanted to ask you that... When you left, I was going, damn, I should have asked. So I'm going to start with that right now. 
Uh, we talked about a lot about tragedy and a lot about good and evil with a lot of focus on evil in the world. We talked about my friend who lost his ex-wife and his daughter to the in a murder. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, since you said that's God's will and it's meant to be and God allowed it to happen, you're not, you don't know why. The why doesn't matter, but that's God's will. So my question is, if, if God allows it to happen, is there a part of God that is evil? Tell me, you're a father, right? When you take care of your kids, you want the best for your kids, right? Absolutely. No matter what. No matter what. You believe that your parents wanted the best for you. Yes. Even when sometimes you thought that they are evil. When they didn't let you go out or they didn't let you do this. So. And you want, you disagreed with them, but now as an adult you know that they wanted the best for you. Mm -hmm. We refer to God as our Father in Heaven. God is our loving Father. There is everything He wants the best for us. Sometimes we can appreciate the good, sometimes we cannot appreciate. But what God wants from us, is doing for us is the best and only the best. But many times we don't understand that we cannot appreciate it. The, the child that his mother takes him to the doctor to get a shot and he screams and he, cry, and he cries, he doesn't think that this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the reality, the fact that his mother is doing it to him because to protect him from sicknesses and so on. Mm -hmm. And she wants for him the best. I mean, he's in pain, she's even more in pain. The same thing is, that's why we call God our Father in heaven. Okay, the same thing is with God. So, but but that that's that's uh, that's a, a one example. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about pure evil. I'm not talking about my parents did something that I don't like, or I didn't want to go do this today, but they made me do it, or I had to go to the doctor and get a shot. I'm talking about pure evil. People that are doing committing crimes, that are committing murders, committing heinous acts, and God's allowing it. It's God's will. So my again, in those situations, if God is not evil, let's call, let's say it that way, why is it being allowed to happen? That's if I would be God, I would be able to give you answers. And I <laughs> I applied for the job and I wasn't accepted. You weren't? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean to say is we, God never made a contact with us that we will understand what is happening. But whatever is, is God, He sees things in a way that we can never see. He sees the full picture. We can see only the back of the, it's almost like a tapestry. You look on the tapestry, you look from the other side, on the back side, you don't see the full, you don't appreciate what you see in the other, what's going on in the other side. Right. The same thing is here. We cannot understand. If you are not God, you cannot understand the full picture. Never. Because the picture is over thousands of years. And we believe that every soul is more than once on earth. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if we spoke about that last time or not. We did. Yeah. You said three, la three, la three lives. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Now I remember. Yeah. And therefore, it's one long life, if you want, with, with uh, interruptions. That we don't, we don't understand the full picture. So human beings, 
human beings can never understand why. And, and even trying to understand why is a foolish attempt. Because it'll never happen. Human beings screwed it up. I say it's not about screwing it up. Human beings are just limited. God has the full picture, the unlimited picture. And therefore, I cannot come and understand when I don't get the full picture. If I go into a, to a surgery room and I see a few guys are standing with knives and calling a person, and they start to scream and yell, what are you doing here? They throw me out of the room. They are trying to save the person. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing what they see tragedy in the world. It's like a surgery. Now, even today in a surgery room, they don't allow family members to be in because they will not be able to survive to see the pain. But it doesn't change the reality that this is for a good cause. For a good, It's to save the person, not to hurt them. The same thing is everything that we see in the world. Now, you're right, there is pure evil and pure tragedy and like terrible, terrible things happen. What do you need more than the Holocaust? But it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that God is the boss and God knows what the best for human beings are. What we do is, we are asking from God, give us a good that we can appreciate it. Don't leave, it, don't leave us hanging on your unbelieving. Mm -hmm. Make sure that there's something that we can take it to the bank, so to speak. You can appreciate it. It's a good that we can see. Whatever God, whatever achievements, whatever goals you have, you can find a way to do it in a good way. That's our prayers every time. Right. But whatever happens, we accept. The Holocaust. You, you talk about the Holocaust. Let me, let me throw some hypothetical questions out there that are thought-provoking and that are challenging. Uh, there were a lot of innocent people killed, right? You hear Absolutely. that all the time. Not just Jewish people, people from all different backgrounds. And, uh, and you hear about innocent people, all these millions and millions of people killed. And Let me ask you, what if some of those people weren't innocent? They don't deserve this anyway, even if they're not innocent. Even the ones that were... Nobody deserves it. To, to be killed in a war, to be tortured on. Nobody deserves it. Innocent and non-innocent is a very small... What, and who am I to decide what people, who is innocent and who is not, and what they deserve, what they don't deserve? We look on every person as is not guilty, and he deserves a good life. And we look, we ask from God, give this person a good life. Every person deserves it, and that's what we pray for every person. And that's the intention for every person who is born. What about somebody that was committing heinous acts behind behind closed doors to his family, maybe abusive to his wife, abusive to his children, uh, and and was just a horrendous animal type of person? You know that there had to be some of those that were in the mix. What 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 do, what do you say to that? We can our prayer for such a person he should turn around in a good way, not he should eradicate them from the face of the earth. The goal is to turn people around, is to make them into better people, because he believed that in every person there is a spark of God, there is a soul, and he has the potential to be good. Human beings have the potential to be the worst, and have the potential to be the best, and it could change within two minutes. A vast majority of people are good. Exactly. A vast, even though the negative always outweighs the positive, it takes one negative right. to outweigh a million positives. It's like when you have a radio show, I mean... 
if you get a hundred uh, good rea reactions and one bad one, what do you go to sleep with? You think about the negative. Exactly. So true. Yeah. Uh, so you believe that people, because I do, uh, people are in, we're, we're all born inherently good? Absolutely. Okay. What do you have to educate them? Good and selfish is not necessarily a contradiction. You understand what I'm saying? They're good, they're good people, but they first think about themselves. That's how human beings are created. To teach a child to share, to think about somebody else. It's not about me, me, me. A baby is born with the end, with the fist closed. Everything belongs to him. Mm -hmm. And somebody dies, he dies with the open end. It means to say, in life, you learn how to share. First of all, you share with your siblings, then you get older, you share with your friends, then you have a get married, you share with your spouse, then you share with... The older you get, the less you live for yourself, the more you live, you live for the community around you. Serving people, serving exactly. others. Serving God or serving God, making the world a better place. And people say, they get older, they said, okay, I did enough for the community, I, I want to relax. Just the opposite. The older you get, the, more, the less about you, the more about others. So the people, we're, we're all born good you yes. have to believe there's by default we're all born good no it's no default that's what's planned this is right this was the way that Absolutely. god planned it sure. is what you're saying sure, sure. so what happens to the ones that kind of go off the the, the the deep end what happens that's ultimately it's a choice i mean for sure that was might be a bad experience it might be a bad uh, a bad in environment and the parents who Everybody has many reasons and excuses, and maybe even just justified excuses, why he went the, the other way. But in the end of the day, we uh, God gave us a gift. It's called controlling the mind or, uh, controls the heart. Mm -hmm. We have the power to make a decision not to go after our instincts. And that's called free choice. God gave every one of us free choice. And it's very easy to blame the whole world. When you're young, you're blaming your teacher and your friend and your student. and Blame everyone else everyone besides else. yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the point is to look in the mirror and to say, you know what? If I want, it's true. Some people have easier time to overcome temptations. Yeah. Some people have other times. No question about it. But God gives the person... Whereas the harder time, also the strength, the inner strength to overcome it. So you believe that anybody, regardless of their background, how heinous they have been, bad decisions that they made, anybody, in your opinion, can be rehabilitated? Absolutely. And actually, we saw the greatest people sometimes came from the most poor neighborhoods, with no education, with no anything. Judaism actually believes that the greatness, the greatest people will come from the most poor families, because they have to overcome their bigger challenges, they will bring out the best of them. Because what is the whole purpose of a challenge? Why God gives us challenges? Because the challenge, God tells you, you, you can do better. Mm -hmm. when you are, I'm comfortable with myself. Why should I bother? But God kind of forces you to the next step. If you don't understand that on your own, I'll help you. You know, it's kind of when your wife goes out of town, suddenly you, you learn, you, you discover that you know how to cook. <laughs> Before that, you didn't know. Right. And, and it's on many levels. I know a person that he was fired from his job because of a religious reason, and that forced him to start his own business, and he did very well. He would never start his own business if he wouldn't be fired. 
God kind of forces them to be fired. God wants them to go to the next step, but he's complacent. He's comfortable. Nobody likes to start something new. It's good. Life is good. What do you want from me? Right. And God says there is much more to you than you think, that you know. And utilize your capabilities, your potential that you have. Sometimes it takes true adversity to make changes in your life that will ultimately result in a much better outcome. Absolutely. Uh, so, so it all started. How, how did how did we get here? How did how did we get here? I think about this all the time. We did. How did two human beings start? How how did it all started? Yeah. God wanted people in a physical world to recognize that there is that to recognize them. The language of Kabbalah is God had a craving to have human beings who have free choice on their own to come to the conclusion that there is a God and to live by, by his codes and by his way of life, by, by the way he wants people to live their lives. But truly, like how how do you think? How do you think two human beings were, were brought into this planet Earth? Oh, you're asking that? I will tell you the biblical uh, story. Yes. God created Adam and Eve. He created the world in seven days, right? First day, I mean the first six days he created the world. And si the sixth day, Friday afternoon, he created Adam and Eve. And on Shabbos, he rested. Now, side point, it's interesting that every week in the world is a seven-day week. You see, a month is a full cycle of the moon. A year is a cycle of the sun. There is nothing in the week in nature that says that a week should be seven days. Why is every week seven days? Why people, why the week, why not every ten days? Over history, I think the Greeks and Egypt, ancient Egypt, and even sometimes at one point in communist Russia, they tried to make it a ten-day week, and it didn't work. Somehow, the whole world is going by a seven-day cycle. Right. Unwillingly, the whole world admits that God created the That's world. the one thing we all agree on is that there's seven days. Exactly. That's it. But I just, I, I, I just have a hard time. What, what, how did those two life forms, were they, how old were they when they were created? They were created, according to the Talmud, 20 years old. 20. 20. That's an interesting point because, you see, Every time, when, when, I, when most of the people, I ask it a lot, you want to go back, how old do you want to be? You want to be young, how old do you want to be? Most of the people will say 20. Really? Yeah, you don't want to be a teenager again. No, I, I was going to say, man, 20, that was a stressful time. You had to get, yeah. go to school all the time. I, 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 you had I, no money. I don't know. I don't, I I don't like 20. I think uh, teenage years got later in, in our generation. But in general, yeah, yeah. 20 is the, like the perfect age. And God created them. The, if you would see Adam and Eve, the first five minutes after they were created, you thought they were 20 years old on the road. Well, when they were created at 20 years old, uh, yeah. to think about that, that was how many how many years ago was that? 5,779. Okay, so back then, 20 years old was like 80 years old. 20 years old was like like two or three times what it is today, no, when you no, think so about we, it. We think, we think it's about the same. Do, do we? Yeah, hmm. 20 years old. Okay. And then they came, and they started to discover the world. And that's how they discovered fire. Don't you have a hard time trying to understand how it was truly, how it truly happened? No, because you will not be able to understand. And even with the evolution, with all these things, you still don't understand. Still. Like, you know what I mean? How two people were all of a sudden just dropped onto the planet? That was it? I mean. Exactly. And no matter how far you go, you'll eventually reach a dead end. 
as much as you try to understand this came from this and this came from this. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's exactly. hard. It's hard to wrap your head around. This is very true. Hmm. And this is part of your teachings. You, you talk about this Absolutely. quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned Kabbalah, uh, Judea, Judaic mysticism. Yes. Uh, become it's become very popular with celebrities over the years, and mm -hmm. like Madonna, Britney Spears, all these people have gotten into it. Um, and I know it's part of your part of your practice. What what exactly is it, and how do we use it in our everyday lives? First of all, all the conversations we had last time and this time is basically about same thing, right? It's reincarnation and about life after death and the purpose of the soul and so on. Then Kabbalah gives you the inner meaning of life. It's like beyond the, the letter of the law. There is the law, what you're supposed to do, that's written in the Talmud. And Kabbalah is the one that gives you the spirit of the law, the meaning behind the walls. What goes on really? What's, what's the purpose? What's the goal? What do you want? It gives you the fuel to understand and appreciate why to observe it and helps you with your relationship with God and life. So uh, some of the comments I got from last time was people really wanting to hear more about the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, it's reminding me. There was once we were in the synagogue on Yom Kippur. You know, Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year for the Jewish people. And Kol Nidre, the beginning of the service, it's the holiest service, if you want. And it was in New York. I was then a young yeshiva student by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson of blessed memory, and was in the synagogue. And by the custom is that you open the ark right at the beginning of the service and you take out the Torahs, the Bibles. And the person who opened the ark collapsed. He was an 80-year-old man, 80, 81 or something, 82, I don't remember exactly his age, collapsed and took an hour to try to revive him and he passed away. Mm. It was sad, it was tragic, but then I remember we were standing with our boys and talking, look, what are our lucky this man is, he, he passed away on the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar. You were saying how lucky. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was speaking how great, in, the, in a synagogue, in front of such a holy man like the Rebbe, by the Torah, couldn't get any better than that. For you, that's like the ultimate. The, the ultimate. Right. Everyone else was devastated. No, yeah. no, they were all the boys. You were all 18-year-old, 17-year-old. We don't understand that. And, right, And right, our right. teacher walked past by and says, you know, as great as it is to die in such a moment, it's even greater to live in such a moment. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Then what I mean to say is why I told you this story. <laughs> Everybody wants to know what's after life. Everybody wants to know what's before life. Nobody wants to deal with life. <laughs> Well, I understand. I totally catch what you're what you're saying. Is is live for the moment, yes, live for because today. Because you live, you can make a difference. Afterlife, we cannot make a difference. And you can make a difference for the afterlife aspect Absolutely. of it, based upon what you told us last time. Yes, and afterlife, it's a person who goes to heaven. You can nobody's hungry, as we said last time. You cannot do mitzvahs. You cannot make it a difference. But we can deposit for the. We can do mitzvahs for the people who died. How long does the afterlife last? Forever. Eternity. It's an infinite. Yes. So your souls will reconnect with others, loved ones' souls, loved ones, for the yes. rest of infinity. Yes. Because the, the souls, to begin with, if I am a child of these parents, it means that the souls, the connection before I was born, 
before I was in a body, I was already connected. That's why I was born to this specific parent. Have you ever, or have you ever spoken with people who you know are honest and, and not, you know, not crazy type people, but people that are honest and, and that have experienced those kind of things where they, they die for a second or they, they see something or they see pictures and visions of the afterlife. Have, have you ever had that? I read about it, but I never met anybody personally on a personal level. Okay. That's all, That's all like the angel pulling them up into the sky and all this stuff. I, I Remember the movie Ghost? I never saw it. Patrick I, Swayze and, uh, yeah, because I've heard those stories from people before. Yeah, I, I don't disregard them. I just never heard from anybody personally. Okay. But again, I don't need to hear a, a testimony from somebody. I know what's written in Jewish writing, teaching, in Kabbalah, in, in Talmud, in Hasidus, all over, and we believe in it. So when you die and you end up going into this spiritual place, mm -hmm. what happens if that was only your first life? Does you come back recreated again, but is the original soul still there or is it not? It's a little complicated, but it, every soul can become many souls. Every soul, at least for, there is a certain amount of, pot, there is potential that you should do, how much good you should do in the world. Now, whatever you do, whatever, as much of the soul that you used up, if you want, is yours. The rest of it will come back again. Okay, so you're saying a piece of you it remains well, in the afterlife. A piece, a piece of you. It's like a fire. It's not like it's not like a piece of cake. Only half of you comes. <laughs> it's like a fire. It's right. A we know it's not a physical. It's not a physical thing. Then the part of you that was not utilized, the potential that utilized, gives gives you God gives you another opportunity to come back. Now it's two of you. Two different people, but connected. It's a continuation of you. So let's pretend for myself. Yeah. I'm in my second life, let's say right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I passed who knows how long ago. Is there a gap when you pass to when you come back? There could be a yeah, gap? Could be could hundreds be, of years. Oh, could it be, could be. Okay. Could be a five years and could be under. Okay, so there was a gap. I came back in this physical form. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, look at the way I look. It's, <laughs> Not so <much. laughs> That's very nice. Came back and... But my original life, there's a soul out there, it's there that's in the afterlife right now. Yes. But you are connected to it, and this after this soul gives you strength, and you are kind of completing the first soul, the journey of the first life. So things that I find to be easy for myself, maybe uh, th that I'm good at, that I excel okay. in, there might be some assistance potentially from yes. this prior soul. Yes, yes. Really? There is a Talmudic story. You say Passover is coming up not in soon, actually. There is a story there about a rabbi who says, I'm like a 70-year-old man. We're not going to details, but he was actually 18. But in his past life, he died when he was 52. He was the prophet Samuel. Mm -hmm. And when he said, I'm a 70-year-old man, he said, don't look at me as an 18-year-old boy. I have the experience of a 70-year-old man. I'm in tune to my soul, and I can draw from my past life. Not everybody could, but sometimes, and you see people are very successful. I don't know if I mentioned that last time, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, let's say. And everybody sits in his own home and says, this little young boy, look what he did. 
I'm much smarter than him and I'm this. You might be smarter, but he is, might be drawing an experiences from his past life. He could have had two prior hundred year lives, exactly. you're saying. When maybe he did something extraordinary in his past life, saved the whole community. And that's why God pays them more for that. Then when we see, we only look at the Taurus and we ask why. We never look at our good life that we have and we ask, we don't we never ask why when things are so good. Right. And that's a reward for good deeds for good that we did in our past life. Why is our generation so lucky to have such a privileged life? I speak many times to the kids of the Sunday school kids and they start to complain. They say, it's not fair. <laughs> That's, that's that's what you're waiting for. And those are, those are the, the, the three most used words probably in everyday life these exactly. days, right? And I tell them, you're right, it's not fair. It's not fair that you guys live such a privileged life. Right. And most of the kids would wish to live in Solon, Ohio, in Cleveland. It's not fair that you have it so good. You, you don't have to worry about rockets flying over your exactly. head. And, and they like looking at me like I fell off from the moon. Yeah. And, they, and then this not fair is not coming up again. Mm -hmm. then this is all based also the benefit of our past life. Interesting. So a lot of what we see in the present uh, is being affected by, uh, being affected by the past effectively. Very much. Essentially. Yes, very much. So what happens if you're, once you finish your third life, third and final? You see, it's not like a, it's not like an exact science. Okay. We know the general idea. Now, if you finished and you did the right thing, that's it. You complete your journey on earth. Sometimes righteous people come not for their own sake, but for the sake of the world, because the world needs them. It's hard for me to. Uh, appreciate or understand obviously we can't understand what the afterlife is souls connecting because we're physical form physical creatures it's impossible to truly understand to truly feel it to know what it feels like it's it's not impossible to live it like you do it's hard to wrap your head around for someone average like myself that doesn't study this it doesn't has not put all this time into to this spiritual life like you have but uh, the spiritual present life like you have. Uh, so for me, what I still struggle with is like, you know, my grandfather who's gone or other one, loved ones we've lost. I, I just, I have a hard time trying to grasp, wrap my head around, wow, like when I pass one day, him and I are going to be able to reconnect and, and be with each other. Like be with each other in like a, in like a cloud formation to me is hard to understand. Not only to you, it's out for me too. For us, you're right. We are physical people. We cannot relate to somebody that's not physical, to something that's not physical. But in our in our world, it's easier to understand. You know, there is so many things, like radio waves. You don't see it, but you know it's there. The world of of not physical is so much more developed in our generation than ever before. Then it's easier to understand it. When you look at it from a technology perspective, for exactly, example. Exactly. Technology is the best way to realize what could, how the world, how many layers the world have. Look at science, what they discover more and more and more. And 
Every time when I hear one of these big scientists this get a prize that they say we even scratch the surface. There is so much more to accomplish. And you see that what we see with our naked eye means nothing. And this gives you a better understanding how there is more than what we see. Sure, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And yeah. There is a story about a, a teacher in the former Soviet Union went into the class. And she asked the kids, you see the table? I said, you see. You see it? That's, I know that. That's how we know that's you. See the chair? We know it's you. You see me? That's how proof that I'm here. You see God? You don't. Nice is not there. The Jewish student stood up and he said, he said, can I ask a question? And she said, yes. So you see the, you see the student? It took the same logic. You see this? You see that we know it's here. So he asked, then he finishes, you see the teacher's brain? You don't. Obviously, she has no brains. <laughs> I mean, we know by now, better than then, that life is, that even in the physical, in this world, we don't need to die for it. There is so many things that they, we cannot touch and we cannot see with our naked eye. We can, and, sure. and they're, they're there. That makes sense. Radio frequencies, airwaves, all this kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Sound of life. I mean, I mean, everything that's going on in the world is like. And then it's not a surprise that there is a different form of life. So, do you think that there's potentially different dimensions, different dimensional? Kabbalah, Kabbalah addresses absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. How does that work? Overall, general, just you know, generally speaking. I know we don't have a whole week to talk about it, but... <laughs> I mean, everything that you do has an effect physically and has an effect on the world around you. Like there is germs, there are spiritual germs. When you create a guy around you a good aura, when you have good thoughts, when you, have, when, you, when, you, when, you have a, when you do good deeds, it's a good environment around you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is the opposite. And I have negative thoughts. Everything is bad. Everything that I create a... It's, it's spiritual germs. So our thoughts really control our, 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 our thoughts everything. control about us. Now, even medicine says that, that if you positive people do much better recovering from sicknesses than negative people. You see it every day. Very much, I mean, mind and soul and all of this. Mindfulness, it's such a big thing, mindfulness. Yeah. I went to find out what mindfulness is, and I realized that's what I do every morning when I pray. <laughs> there you go. You didn't realize you've been doing it your whole exactly. life. <laughs> give it a new name. New name. I'll give it myself. The service. Don't call it services. Call it mindfulness experiences. <laughs> You'll get a whole new crew of people showing exactly. up. You careful. You don't have enough space. Uh, no, it's it's fascinating. It's it's really it's really interesting to hear that perspective, to hear your perspective on that kind of stuff, because it's hard to wrap your head around. It's very unique. And you're right, people don't necessarily, they're so worried about what's next instead of worrying about what's today, what's tomorrow, you know, living what's in the today? present. You have to live in the day. That's why Judaism is so many holidays and Shabbat. It's, it's to teach you to celebrate the day. Today is Shabbat, today is Passover, today is Purim, whatever the Jewish holiday is or today. The, not, we, we constantly, it's a strange world. We are never where we are. Before the vacation, you plan the vacation. While you're on vacation, you <laughs> yeah. think about the job, the work that you live after vacation. Right, yeah. That's and so you come true. after vacation, you remember how good it was the vacation. Right. And you're already planning the next one. Exactly. You're planning that. your next vacation while you're on vacation. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I didn't think about. Thank That's you. right. 
You'll use that one day. Um, what are your thought quickly about? Do you think that planet Earth is the only place where there's life form? Life as human. Life, yes, life as in humans. Okay. Yeah, because God gave the Bible, the Torah, the Ten Commandment. It, it is the it is how it works. Our, our way, um, the way of thinking. God does not put people a free choice without giving them a book how to how to behave, how we what to expect from them. He created us. He gave us a book. It's called the Bible, Ten Commandment, a Code of Law of Morality. The Torah was given only on earth. There is no other place that God gave the Torah. That's the proof that there is no other life, other intelligent life anywhere else. Could be you'll find some cockroaches somewhere or something like this. Human beings are not existing anywhere. We're free choice nowhere. Okay. You understand the logic? God, if God puts human beings, he cannot expect them to be good if he doesn't give them guidelines. Mm -hmm. And the guidelines were given only on earth, only on this world. And there is, we know from the Torah, from Kabbalah, that there, God never gave a, he never gave a Torah to anyone. It says it in there? Yes. And, and that's one time revelation. Will never be another one. It was never one before. And this is it. This is it. Yes. Then because it gave only to human beings there, and nobody took the Bible to the moon yet, actually. And then the, we human beings you'll not find anywhere else. Look, they, they, and I'm not human. talking just our solar system. I'm talking about the millions of other galaxies that are out there. They couldn't even find any life yet. Forget about human life. They found nothing. Well, we found nothing. We found nothing. Right. But does we that mean... a little water. That's it. But does that mean that and an other galaxies that could be millions of light years away, that there might not be another another world going on out there? No. 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 No chance. It's here, and we are the crown of creation. We are the purpose. God created all these millions of galaxies, such a huge universe. Oh, that it's... Getting, you're just thinking about it, you get dizzy. Right. All of this is for what? For me and you to do the right thing. We are the purpose of the universe. So there's no extraterrestrial alien type creatures out there from other Even if galaxies. Even alien, they are not. They don't have free choice, and therefore they don't make it different. What makes it different is people have free choice, and they make the choices to do the right thing. And this is only human beings on earth. Only humans have the free choice only aspect. Human, only human, and only when they are alive. Only our life in the world, 70, 80, 90 years. This is the most precious time, and for this, God created the whole universe. For us, Mr. A should be nice to Mr. B. That's what it's all about. So if Mr. A is nice to Mr. B, and Mr. A, Mr. B's charity is raising money, mm -hmm. and Mr. A decides to donate, mm -hmm. pick a number, $100, a $1,000, $10,000, $100,000. Uh, in terms of charity... What's your take on advertising when you when you donate and when you give? <laughs> I just had this conversation the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, on one end, Judaism says that the charity that's given in uh, in 
uh, anonymous charity is the highest level of charity. Anonymous. Yes. Okay. Why? Because it's more, we don't want the receiver to feel embarrassed. Let's say there is a family who is in need. And if they know that you gave them money, every time when they see you, they don't feel comfortable. That's what the all anonymous is all about. It's to make the receiver feel comfortable. Makes sense. Okay. That's, that's this side. Okay. On the other end, for the giver to be anonymous, and one end, it's an humble act. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's appreciated. But history proved time and again that people who give anonymous give less than people who give publicly. People who... Who don't want their name to be advertised will end up to give much less in general. Obviously, general, there's sure. always exception to the rules. For every everything they spoke up until now, if people are saying, but I saw this. For sure, yeah, there's, there's an exception always. to every rule. Right. But in general, people who give anonymously will give less than people who give who are, who are advertising their, their charity. Which also makes sense. Absolutely, it makes sense. It's a, it's, it's a reality of life. Right. Now, more than that, when, when people advertise their giving, they inspire other people to do the same. Mm. Not only you did a good deed, you, the other person's good deed goes also on your account because you inspired other people. But can you inspire uh, somebody else by just keeping your name off of it? Can't you? Can't no, it's not. How they will know that somebody, when, when I walk into to a place and I see, oh, he gave and he gave and he gave. Maybe I should give to you too, to your wife and maybe I should give too. It inspires you. Then it's nice to be humble. But if your humbleness will, de will deny other people from the good, forget about your, about, uh, and your humbleness. You're feeling you're you're saying that while it's it's we understand the anonymous aspect, you don't want the uh, you don't want the credit, you don't want the 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 notoriety that comes with it. You're just being humble behind the scenes. But what you're doing is potentially keeping money off the table for this charity, for example. Not only this, keeping the opportunity from other people to the good for other people, to, right? For to other people good, to be inspired them, by to you. Be inspired, exactly. To Forget be inspired about by the charity. You. We have an obligation to make other people to the good. So that's interesting. So that kind of lends back over to the social media and to all this advertising that people are putting out there. Uh, one could make the argument that as long as you're doing something that's positive, you should probably be sharing it. You're right. And the, the, and the idea of not being arrogant or not being poor, that's up to me to decide that even I advertise my name, I don't think I'm so great. That's my personal challenge not to get let it go to my head. But on the other end, I kind of, when you advertise your name, you kind of sacrifice. I know people say, oh, he's doing it to show off, oh, he's doing right. it to this. But I sacrifice because I know that ultimately it will inspire other people to do it. It will ultimately have a greater impact. Exactly. Then, say, then doing it anonymously that nobody will know. And staying quiet. And staying quiet. I will give less and other people for sure will not give. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know it's different thinking. It's the Hasidic thinking. That's how the Rebbe was, the Rebbe was speaking about it. So in that aspect, you should always advertise, advertise it. it. Absolutely. Put your name on it. Yeah. Show how much you gave. Yes. Do you share how much? I, I mean, if it's needed, not necessarily it's always needed. Right. But it's, Again, it's appropriate in certain situations. Yeah, the point, yeah, we are not 
I understand that some people feel that they are being pressured and everybody else is giving in. Of course. Well, there is always That's a fine line. kind of part line. of it too, anyways. <laughs> right? I mean, no, I'm saying there is a fine line to do it in a nice and dignified way. Mm -hmm. that inspire people, but don't put them in a situation that they have no choice. So for somebody that's, I'm taking, a, switching gears, but someone that is losing weight, they're going through a weight loss plan program. The Hasidic way of thinking would be, hey, share your weight loss journey with everybody because you may help 5, 10, who knows, 5,000 people if you, you have a big Absolutely. social media file. Absolutely. It's the same approach. And, it, and in fact, it works. We see it. And it people, does work. We see it every day. Why, why do you think all these fitness influencers and people that are running and weightlifting, they have huge followings on, on uh, social media? Because people They're want to be people. like them, yes. So that in that regards, the social media aspect is actually a, a great thing. Everything in the world can be good, useful good, or useful bad. It's up to us what we do with it. The thing in itself is not good or bad. Computers, social media, right. television, Hollywood, whatever you name. Right. Whatever you name it. It's up to me what I'm going to speak in this microphone. The microphone does not have free choice. I have free choice. I can say nonsense or I can say meaningful things. Right. You can use this microphone to spew hate. Exactly. Or you could use it to set, spread positivity. Exactly. exactly. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Exactly. No, I tell people, your bad things, do it quietly, anonymously. <laughs> there you go. Them. Yeah. So don't use it in a negative way. That's basically what you're saying. Absolutely. Huh, that's very interesting. Uh, that, that is a different way of thinking because I think a lot of people would say, oh, just be humble and do it quietly. Yeah. It's, you're right. It's actually, for my personal spiritual journey, it's easier to be humble in a sense. But for the greater good, I have to sacrifice my own spiritual journey and publicize my name. And I must tell you, many people give, give big donors, they don't care anymore. This, there is a point that they don't need their names. Sure. But they do it because of it's try to get other people exactly. to follow follow exactly. it doesn't have to be to the same money same exactly. amount just give giving exactly. just giving exactly. um, and it just it's not just money it's volunteering it's helping there is so many ways of help of giving charity and when you let's say when you say oh I'm going to I'm going once a week to volunteer somewhere then your friend says you know what maybe I should do it too the third one says you know both of them are going it inspires people it does there's no doubt about it. Just being sitting here with you inspires inspires me. Last time the conversation we had, I when I when we were done, I was like, God, if I can live that mentality, how healthy would that be? To just practice that every day. Like what's to, meant to be I, is what meant. I know you're. <laughs> so how do you think I'm feeling? How do you think I'm feeling? Because you know, there's there's ups and downs. There's there's lefts and rights. Uh, again, we you know this. I went through a divorce, and there's some days that are great, and some days that are not so great. And I'm just trying to figure it out one day at a time. And then I just say to myself, when I'm really feeling off, I go back to that conversation we had. And I say, there's a reason for this. There's a reason I'm feeling this way. There's a reason I'm in this place right now. And embrace it. And just, embrace it. Just do what you can do today. And then we'll go further. Every day, we'll, we'll, we'll survive the day. And we'll do, you're all done to your basics, to what you what you know how to do good, what you, what you, things that you are in your control, what you can do, and you do with it. You're like a, when you're a spiritual leader and a rabbi or a, a priest or you know, any type of spiritual leader, you wear so many hats, don't you? I mean, there's too many to count. 
you wear so many hats and it's like you almost have to probably be a, a psychologist for people at times because they're coming to you with everything. Correct me if I'm wrong. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you also have to realize sometimes when you, you feel it's beyond you, you cannot help them. You right, you're not them a medical doctor. Yeah, you tell them you have to, you have to seek uh, help, professional help, and to realize that. Um, so we've covered quite a few topics. It was a nice extension from last time. Uh, I'm just curious for yourself. Do you feel like this is your last life or do you not know? I don't have time for this question. <laughs> I never think about it. You don't know, think about this. I nothing. know what I need to do today. Okay. I'm not busy with before life, with after life. You just I'm live. You life. live in the day, in the you moment. See, we have so much to be accomplished in this world. Mm -hmm. So many people could be inspired. So many kids could be touched. So many adults. When you touch a child, the life of a child, not only you influence them, you influence the generations to come. And. It doesn't, ma it doesn't matter. You're saying you don't, you don't even think about it. No, it's time for these things. A lot of people, you'd be surprised. <laughs> a lot of people want to know. <laughs> they think about things. People have too much time on their hands, too, a lot of them. And the best thing, and when, you know when you, people feel, be, feel good about themselves and they go out and help others? The best prescription for feeling good about yourself is to go and help somebody who is less fortunate than you. Yes. And that's the fulfillment. best cue for everything. Because it's true fulfillment. This, absolutely, it's true fulfillment. Yeah. You help somebody else, you feel, you, you feel worth it. You feel that you are here for a purpose. Right. God created us in a way that until we don't do something for something else, for the world, we don't do other people good, we, we can never be fulfilled. As much as materialistic things we'll buy and we'll get, we will never feel good about ourselves. Correct. Yep, I 100% agree with you. Because those things give you momentary happiness. For five minutes, yeah. And that's it. And then what? And it wears off. Exactly. It wears off. And then it comes again, and then it wears off. And But when you help somebody, and you know he was in a sickness, and you went and you spent time with him, and then you walk away, and he tells you, it, first of all, you, sh you see that how much he appreciates it, and he comes two weeks later and tells you, you know, you, you saved my life, that your visit was so important to me at that time. Yeah, and, and you, you feel it. And you, don't, and you don't forget it. You, you don't, don't forget, forget the feeling. It? Absolutely. It really can stick with you forever. Yeah, and the best, you know what the best post for that is? The, per the, per the moment a person dies, we give him a eulogy. What do we say? He was driving a Jaguar. Exactly. You don't even, nobody the, remembers and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares. He made a difference. He helped this person, this right. organization. He was nice. He was kind. He was, that's what he remember. He said a kind word. When you say a compliment to somebody, a kind word, they remember it. And you say an insult, they remember it a bit longer. <laughs> Again, the negative always outweighs the positive. Yeah, absolutely. But, you, you know, sometimes with a positive statement, you can change a person's life. Oh, absolutely. Because you gave him the strength, the moment that they needed. And he says, you know, he appreciates me. He thinks I'm good. Well, if you want to know how somebody lived their life and who they were as a person, go to their funeral. Absolutely. Just go in and see what it see what it's like. See is there, is there? there fifteen people there, or is the place filled throughout and down down into the street? You know, that's also you. You always want to have a very small funeral because it means you live very long. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's another side. There's a, there's another side to everything, right? Exactly. But but uh, but leaving a legacy is what it's all about. I mean, Absolutely. basically, basically everything that you've talked about today. It's about doing good, being positive, 
spreading good deeds, service to others. And this, all of this is based when you remember that God put you on earth for a purpose. And he has, he, has in, he has a journey for you. He has a purpose for you. And every day that he gives me, I have to do something good. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for coming back, Rabbi. My pleasure. I'm honored.